0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Jerry Conway, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast.
1: back to another episode of the epic marvel podcast this is one of our patreon exclusive interviews if you are pledging five dollars a month um, you'll have access to all of the exclusive interviews that i do for the epic marvel podcast which i'll re- release them later on down the road but if you want it right now you got it right now uh, they are great companions to the episodes themselves um, and in this episode in particular i'm talking to jerry conway I talked to him for about 45 minutes and he got to tell me all about his run on Avengers and how he kind of fell into that role um, because he was editor at the time, which his editor, editorship, if that's the word, his editorship only lasted for about six weeks. Um, And why did it last for six weeks? You'll have to listen because he explains it better than I will. So let's talk a little bit about just how you got involved with the Avengers. And I think that it probably starts, um, I think it starts a little bit before that, kind of you getting into the editorial side of things.
0: Yes. Uh, I had been at Marvel for about uh, three or four years uh, in the early 70s. And as a result of some changes in the editorial department, I left and went over to DC Comics for about a year in a couple of months uh, where I uh, edited a number of titles, wrote the Superman, uh, Spider-Man crossover book, uh, you know, brought back the new gods. I mean, stuff like that, you know, that, that I had been brought in, I guess, Carmen Infantino saw me as, as a uh, finger in the eye for Marvel, (laughs) which apparently he seemed to like to do. (laughs) Uh, And, As such, I I was given, you know, a a fair amount of leeway to do some things and to try to bring some Marvel-type approaches to the DC books. After about a year, a year and a quarter, something like that, uh, Carmine had left the company. Uh, He'd been forced out. Uh, And uh, the new team came in just around the same time that... uh, the editorial uh, position at Marvel had opened up uh, to, for the editor in chief uh, uh, job, and that had been a job that I'd really, really wanted uh, when I'd been at Marvel before, and I'd been passed over for a variety of reasons. So it was at this point that it was offered to me uh, to come in and uh, you know try to uh, carry things on, you know make make the system work you know to the uh, as as such it was a very chaotic period though because uh as a result of roy thomas leaving as uh editor and stan wanting to keep roy happy there had been some changes about how uh how management of the 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 comic uh, of the company was being uh arranged Roy was the editor of his own books uh Len Ween, who uh, followed me as uh, uh or I'd rather followed Roy as editor-in-chief uh when he left he became the editor of his books and Marv Wolfman who followed Len for about six months when he left he became the editor of his books so when I came back as uh uh to Marvel and became editor in chief, I was in effect the editor of about half the line. uh, And the other half uh, was independent, almost independent of me uh, because it was being, you know, written and edited by Roy and uh, Len and Marv. Right. Uh, So I came in and my experience at DC had been of a very, uh, whatever, whatever I thought about the, the, the quality of the work that was being done at, at D.C., which I felt was kind of variable. I mean, some of it was very good. Some of it was very, very ordinary. You know, some of it was kind of off track. But, you know, it, it was a company that was very well run from a managerial point of view. They had a very effective uh, system uh, uh, for getting the books out on time, uh, for making sure that artists weren't kept waiting for pages, you know, uh, of script. Uh, the machine ran smoothly. And I had learned how that machine ran at DC by being an editor there for about a year and a quarter. So when I came over to Marvel, my goal was to try to make the machine run smoothly. <laughs> of course. Yep. I figured, you know, the, I, there was not much for me to do editorially because, you know, we had... In addition to Len Marv and uh, Roy, we had uh, terrific writers like Chris Claremont and uh, Steve Englehart and uh, Jim Starlin, who is still, I think, doing some books, uh, and Archie Goodwin. I mean, these are people who didn't need any direction from me from an editorial point of view. Right. Uh, but what we did have a problem with was uh, the production end of things where, uh, Things were kind of out of control. Uh, books were shipping late. Uh, artists were sitting for a couple of days, at a, uh, two, three days at a time without pages to draw, which meant that their income was being affected, which made them unhappy, which made, you yeah. know, the, the situation bad. And as it turned out, uh, one of the books that we had a problem with, uh, was The Avengers, uh, that Steve Englehart and George Perez was doing. Okay, uh, and the the situation there was that Perez, who was a kind of a slow but very very you know high quality artist, uh, when when scripts did not get to him or uh, p- outlines did not get to him in a, in a, in a timely fashion, uh, he, he would fall behind, and then the book would fall behind, and then you know so on. Uh, Just a plus, chain reaction you know, down the road. It's a chain reaction, and plus. Uh, it, it affected George's pocketbook because at that point, artists really didn't have any secondary sources of income. Uh, there were no residuals, you know, no royalties. Uh, there was no real resale market for artwork. Uh, there was no uh, uh, no way for him to recoup. You yeah, know, yeah. If, if he didn't have a day's work, he was done. Well, in my f- first or second week, uh, the uh, production head John Verporten, came to me and said, "You know, this is a, a problem that we can't uh, we, we can't have. You know, and, and ca- can we do something about it?" And I called up uh, the writer on the on the Avengers, Steve Englehart, and uh, you know, I said, "Look, you know, we need to have an outline for George uh, by uh, Monday morning. You know, for George to be able to keep working." Uh, And this was like Thursday or something like that. And if it, if he doesn't have the outline, I'm going to have to write an outline myself to give to him Monday morning, you know? Yeah. Uh, So this is the situation, Steve, you know, can, can you assure me that an, an outline will be in and he, you know, in, in John's presence said, yes, you know, I'll, I'll get it in. No problem. And then on Monday, uh, he said, it'll need another day or so. Uh, and at that point, you know, I, I, I felt like I, I was in the position of having to, uh, enforce something that I had, I had said, cause I was starting out early here, you know, as, as, as an editor. Right. You and gotta I show your authority
1: yeah. right at the beginning here.
0: It, exactly. And so uh, with the intention of just doing a fill in issue, I did an outline for that one issue and, uh, as a result of my doing that, Steve quit Marvel Comics.
1: That's a, that's pretty dramatic.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he tried to get me fired by uh, calling up Stan and, and saying that I should be fired because he was uh, because I was driving him away from the company, and he was more important than I was. So <laughs> it was it was an unfortunate encounter. Um, yeah, but you know, th- th- those things happen in the course of uh, any any uh, uh, career. Uh, unfortunately, I was pretty young at the time and uh, not very resilient. And after about a month and a half of similar events with other people, I just you know rolled up my uh, my uh, editorial uh, 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 sleeping bag, you know, and, and, and <laughs> put it away and became yeah. the editor editor writer of my own books. So that now the system was even more fragmented. Yeah, that's how I became the editor and writer of The Avengers for about six months.
1: Wow, just out of kind of necessity,
0: it just had yeah, to happen. Yeah, it, it had never been my intent. I, I, you know, I, I was a big Justice League fan, uh, and I liked The Avengers, you know, with, without any question, but I'd never been a big, huge fan of The Avengers in the way that I was of other Marvel books, like The Fantastic Four, Thor, uh, Spider-Man, certainly. Uh, so I had never really wanted to write the book, but suddenly... There I was writing it. Yeah. So the
1: issue that you did the outline for was that um, issue 150. Uh,
0: well, it's the first one that I did, which I guess was the uh, the end of uh, that voodoo uh, storyline, uh, or the oh, okay. climax of it, I think. Uh, but you'd have to, you know, you'd have to look at the, the list itself. It's been what 40 plus years for me.
1: Right. You have um, you have some writing credit. Um, For the there's issue one hundred and fifty is the kind of a recap where the Avengers come from with a lot of uh, pages taken directly from old issues of the Avengers.
0: Right, that would have been the filling issue that we tried to do to just keep George working while we, you know, and I, I had done that I guess because I didn't want to interrupt Steve's story. Right. Uh, Unfortunately, you know. He decided to move in a different direction.
1: Um, well, in, in that issue, it um, a new team of Avengers forms. Like they kind of change up the roster. And uh, did you have a hand in deciding who got to go in that roster?
0: Uh, well, if I was the editor of that book, then yeah, that was uh, that would have been my choice. Uh, those would have been my choices. Okay. Uh, um,
1: and how about bringing back Wonder Man? Back into yeah, the I think
0: probably that was I think that was probably something that I, I believe Steve may have been uh, intending.
1: Uh, yeah, he still had the plotter credit for that.
0: Yeah. Uh, George uh, George Perez and I were uh, talking about uh, you know the storylines that's that Steve had in motion uh, that George was aware of. and I think we tr- we tried to uh, pay them off as much as we could.
1: Was there a point, because your, your run was pretty short, was there a point that you felt like you were finally finished with um, Steve's plots and you were actually forming stuff of your own now?
0: Well, as I say, I never really felt like I, I wanted to write The Avengers as a, a, a goal, so I didn't really have ideas that uh, I wanted to uh, uh, address in the book. Uh, you know, I... I I had been a big admirer of Roy Thomas's uh, uh, run on the title when he uh, introduced the, the vision, you know, and uh, the Kree-Skull War and, you know, all of these terrific stories that he had right. done. But I didn't have a, a sense of identification with those characters to the degree that uh, Roy did and obviously Steve did. Uh, so... I don't think i I think I was just vamping you know to, yeah. to some extent you know just trying to to pay off the stuff that Steve had had left unresolved and uh you know do do stories that would keep some interest going until we could decide who would you know be the best team on the book yeah. uh, I was also since I had left D.C. as uh, with intending to be the editor in chief at Marvel, Uh, I didn't really want to return to Marvel just in a, 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 you know, that capacity of just being a writer slash editor. Uh, I had, you know, done more more or less everything that I wanted to do up to that point uh, and was actually more interested in returning to DC in some capacity
1: oh. uh,
0: so a lot of the work that I did during that six or uh, seven month period was uh, uh, something that I wasn't as committed to as I had been previously or would be later you know when I came back in the late 80s interesting yeah
1: um, and who was it that asked you to come back to Marvel as editor
0: uh, Stan Stanley. oh okay yeah I mean, he was the, uh, the the president and managing editor of the company. So it was his choice to bring me in.
1: Well, um, had you had more time, do you think you would have settled into, um, Avengers and, and, uh, been more enthusiastic about it?
0: I think so. But I mean, it was a very chaotic period there at Marvel in any event. Uh, you know, you had different artists coming in, uh, you had filling issues, uh, you know, it was very hard to get your footing, right. uh, um, on, on any of these things. And, uh, there was a, a sense of, uh, uh, chaos, you know, <laughs> that, that I think was disruptive more than creative. You know, it, that particular year, uh, the year right before Archie, you know, while well, Archie Goodwin was, was in charge, Archie was a sweet and gentle man who, uh, was not, you know he had been a wonderful editor of uh, uh creepy and eerie uh but managing that kind of a large uh uh editorial respo- set of responsibilities without a sufficiently powerful editorial staff is almost impossible i mean you can't you know marvel had marvel's editorial setup was uh uh, inherited from a time when they had 12 titles a month and one editor handled all 12 books and had an assistant editor uh, to do the scut work yeah. uh, and then maybe a proofreader to make sure that the assistant editor didn't miss anything. And with 12 books, you can do that. Uh, when you have 50 titles a month uh, and you have a single editor and uh you know who's who theoretically is responsible for everything even the books that he doesn't himself has have editorial control over because they're edited by another uh uh writer editor um uh, and then practically no staff to speak of under you it's almost impossible to have any any uh, authority that's why i was always sympathetic to shooter when he did take over uh and you know, developed a reputation as a ruthless, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, single-minded, uh, person, Mm -hmm. it's kind of what you had to be. Uh, you know, I think ultimately the system that Marvel has in place now is a much more effective system, you know, where they have, uh, an editorial, uh, you know, chief, you know, and then, uh, group editors, you know, underneath that, and then individual editors beneath that. So that's yep. that's a much better organizational system. Uh, but Jesus, the system in this in the middle '70s at, at Marvel was just totally dysfunctional.
1: Well, and you also have now people who didn't know what it was like before. So mm-hmm. that always, uh, probably, probably they have no the idea situation. how lucky they are. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, when it when it eventually did become your time to leave Avengers, um, mm-hmm. how did that how did that come about?
0: Well, I left. I, I think I left Avengers around the same t- time that I left Marvel. Yeah. Uh, I was me- I was given an offer uh, by DC to come back uh, and uh, work for them exclusively. And as I say that that it that had been my uh, my plan. You know, I, I had I had attachment to a lot of the DC characters. Uh, when I left, I had been writing, uh, uh I'd written a number of issues of justice league and was really enjoying working with Julie Schwartz and wanted to be doing that, you know, <laughs> as much, yeah. much more in many ways than I wanted to be working at Marvel under those circumstances, uh, because the Marvel system was so, so chaotic, uh, so I was happy to uh, to return to DC. Uh, I was sad to leave the books, you know, because I, I, even though I wasn't happy with the system, I really, you know, always liked the Marvel characters. But I wasn't writing anything that uh, that felt like it needed to be written by me. Right. <laughs> you know, there was nothing there that, that you know just cried out, "Oh my God, Jerry Conway has to write this book." <laughs> with the with the possible exception of Spectacular Spider-Man. Uh,
1: and is that Which, what brought you back to Marvel?
0: No, what brought me back to Marvel was the editor in chief job oh right uh, yeah uh, that that was the lure uh, because it had been a fantasy of mine as a as a young uh, uh reader uh, you know to to be in charge of the Marvel books uh and I had uh felt that that there was some commitment to me to have that job before I left for d c uh and it had not been fulfilled so i i you know was ready to move on to a different uh, a different uh work situation that would give me you know some of the same simo- same opportunities
1: wow yeah that's such an interesting time i was uh, i was talking to jim shooter yesterday mm-hmm. and um he actually he had some good things to say about you <laughs> and sympathize with oh, yeah. you as well cuz he's like that guy gave it his best shot for and unfortunately, it burned him out really fast.
0: <laughs> yeah, it really did. Yeah. It really did. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard because on a personal level, many of the people who got angry at me and, uh, uh, you know, felt that I was uh, mistreating them were, were people that I was, uh, I considered friends, you know, and, and yeah. considered, uh, you know, they, I'd grown up with them in the business. And, you know, it was very painful and hurtful. Uh, to to become enemies with people who, you know, had been like roommates, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, I think it was the added complexity. Jim didn't have that problem because he had come to Marvel uh, only about a year before as a assistant editor from DC and didn't have a lot of entangled relationships with the people at Marvel that I did. Right. Uh, So when... uh, when he took over, he didn't have to deal with uh, uh, any uh, personal uh, kickback. Although I'm sure you know he felt the same pressures, you know, that that uh, I felt. Uh, you know, he just didn't have the you know the uh, the distance from it, you know, that he that he needed. You know, to, I mean, he he had the distance from it that I needed. Right. So. So it was better. It was a better situation for him.
1: Um, Let's switch gears a little bit here. And the other topic I'd like to talk to you about is found in the Epic Collection, um, Amazing Spider-Man Cosmic Adventures. (laughs) And so you were in charge of uh, two of the titles. You were in charge of Spectacular Spider-Man and Web of Spider-Man at the time. Can Actually, I wrote them.
0: I wasn't in charge of them. The, my, I had an actual editor on those books. Okay. <laughs> Jim Jim Salakrup. yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, Salicrup. Yeah. Okay, so who... Tell me what it's like when you're writing these books and I'm assuming, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that someone comes along and says, we we have this great idea, Acts of Vengeance, and you've <laughs> got to put it in your book.
0: <laughs> well, it's not easy. Uh, I mean, it, there's there are... Pluses and minuses. Uh, I mean, the plus is you—you basically handed ide- an idea, so that's a good thing. You know, anytime you can get somebody to give you an idea that's that's worth uh, writing, it makes your job a little bit easier as a writer. Okay. Uh, and there's there's some fun to that, you know. And did uh, that
1: happen often?
0: No, not really. I mean, I was only on those books for about two and a half years, maybe two two to two and a half years. Uh, that was it, really. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was from eighty, what, eighty-eight to about ninety, I think. Yeah. Uh, but it was a lot of issues because I was writing both books, so that was.
1: Uh, and they were bi-monthly uh, at some point. They were. As well.
0: I mean, they, bi-weekly. They, bi-weekly. They, well, it it came out. They the books came out every other week. Uh, so in a given year, I wrote twenty-four issues of Spider-Man. Huh. And uh, that means that over that two-year period, I wrote fifty issues of Spider-Man, which was more issues of Spider-Man, I think, than I had written in my initial run. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's a kind of ironic, you know, uh, in one sense. But when when someone comes comes to you with an idea like that, the trick is to fit it into whatever it is that you're doing uh, on your own as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and fortunately, my, my approach to the spectacular Spider-Man books was to uh, treat the uh, uh, the subplots as my main ongoing storyline. Uh, you know, my my interest was in the the secondary characters that I was working on working with uh, because I couldn't really do very much with Peter and Mary Jane because they were their, their storylines were primarily dealt with in Amazing Spider-Man. Right.
1: Uh, so you had Robbie Robertson, for instance. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I did a
0: big, long storyline with Robbie Robertson and Tombstone and uh, you know made that work as my cohesive story that I was telling. Uh, and fortunately, Acts of Vengeance sort of fit into that because it was a foreground story that uh, allowed me to uh, focus on my background Story, with the equal impact. You know? great. Right. Well, wow. so it was. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a. Ba- wasn't as much of a problem as you might think.
1: Okay. Well, that's good.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, yeah.
1: Whose idea was it to give Spider-Man these cosmic powers?
0: I think that was Jim Salicrup. Uh, he was the uh, Spider-Man editor, uh, and it might, or it might even have been Jim Shooter, because uh, Shooter, you know, liked those kind of disruptive ideas. We I mean, use He's the person who came up with the uh, original black costume, you know that uh, right. later became a Symbiote and so on. So he he uh, uh, liked disrupting the status quo with with a character like Spider-Man, uh, and it certainly you know was was an interesting storyline. Uh, you know, probably one of the first of the, uh, uh, the that kind of disruptive. Storylines, you know, in addition to the symbiote storyline.
1: The very first comic that I ever owned, as a co- as a kid, was a uh, Web of Spider-Man number sixty, where Cosmic Spider-Man fights Goliath. <laughs> and that was, you know, I was I don't know ten years old or something like that, and it had such a big impact on me. And this was my introduction That's to great. Spider-Man, and I'm like, wow, he can fly, he has, <laughs> he can shoot laser beams and stuff. This guy's great.
0: And it must have been a crushing disappointment when all that went away.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I quickly realized that that was not the way he was supposed to be. But that didn't matter. Yeah. It was just great superhero fun when I was sure, that age, sure.
0: right? Well, yeah. you know, it's, it's always interesting how later you look back on certain things as uh, uh, they were so meaningful to you personally uh, for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You know, I, I think about the fact that my first introduction to Batman was in a superman story uh that i read i guess in the late 50s uh in which clark kent and superman had to appear at the same event oh yeah and uh it's like oh my god how how is this going to happen and how how how's it going to be possible and then they did and it was like oh wow and then at the end of it uh superman is is thanking and flying bruce wayne home to gotham city (laughs) yeah uh, for taking his place as, as Clark Kent or Superman, I forget which it was, uh, and said, you know, uh, th- th- thanks Bruce Wayne, you know, for, for helping me, uh, you know, if I can ever do the same for the Batman, I'll be happy to do it, you know? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like who's Bruce Wayne? Yeah, who's right. the Batman? This is very cool. I want to read about these, you know? And, it's like, <laughs> and that's like the absolutely worst way to be introduced to the Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? impersonating superman which he couldn't possibly do no
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah so funny um can you tell me a little bit about some of the artists that you worked with um uh, during these parts of the uh, of your career that we've been talking about so george perez uh sal bisema alex saviuk
0: uh absolutely well i mean george is a master uh and still is you know a, a tremendous storyteller uh he and i ended up working on justice league together too which was terrific um he has he has the fan passion for these characters uh, where he will go the extra mile the extra distance to make it perfect and accurate uh in a way that uh you know always intimidates me as a writer you know it's like I'm, <laughs> i have to really raise my game you know when i'm when i'm uh, working with george um so that was that was a that was one one of the few upshots of that uh brief run on the avengers survey was the opportunity to work with george uh, <clears throat> with uh uh spectacular spider-man or web of spider-man uh these, these were two really terrific uh, uh, underrated artists. Uh, and I was, I, I'm used to that because my first run on Spider-Man, I worked with Ross Andrew for uh, a large part of it. And I consider him to probably be one of the most underrated comic artists of all time. Uh, and Sal and uh, Alex were both, uh, you know, they, they had the misfortune, you know, of, of, Being the guys who did the book, other than Todd McFarlane, (laughs) which you know is is really unfair to them because Todd is so uh, uh, was so dominant, you know, as a a a personality and as an artist that you know, in contrast, anybody working on the Spider-Man books, uh, second and third Spider-Man books, would have looked. uh, Kind of like weak tea, yeah. uh, but but both Sal and Alex are terrific artists. Uh, I mean, it was Sal, I think, is one of the finest uh, storytellers and draftsmen in comics, and Alex did a really dynamic job uh, with uh, uh, Spider-Man that was uh, very reminiscent to me of working with Ross. So, uh, two different very two different approaches to uh, the comic, but. Both of them very compatible with my storytelling.
1: Yeah, I feel like both of those artists complement
0: each, each other. Well, they were—they—they they didn't draw in a similar way. I mean, nope. Sal was—you yeah. know—was really a, a, uh, a traditionalist in terms of his his, his uh, layouts and, and uh, 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 dedication to the grid. You know that—that's type, right. uh, type of thing. Uh, Alex was more uh, adventurous, you know, in, in, yeah. in how he would tell stories. But he gets really they had
1: interesting the, camera angles and such.
0: Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, so both of them have their, you know, their uh, uh, their strengths. I mean, Sal is sort of a, uh, a last man standing, you know, <laughs> from from a, a prior generation of storytellers, and Alice was a uh, uh, like a window into what we kind of see now in right. comics. So they're transitional figures, really, really good guys.
1: Um, in your in your um, spectacular run, you took the Daily Bugle away from Jonah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that and uh, bringing Thomas Fireheart into the picture?
0: Uh, you know, it was an, an attempt to, to shake things up. It may have been an idea that Jim Salicrup had uh, uh you know when, when a character like Jonah has been around for a long time it can easily become a rut uh you know they're doing the same things and uh uh having the same uh arguments and debates and i think it was a the notion was to try to change the the dynamic uh you know between Peter and the Daily Bugle and Peter and Jonah and uh It was an opportunity to do that in those books Uh, because, again, the main characters were being dealt with in uh, Amazing.
1: Do you have anything coming up, any projects you're currently working on that you would like to tell our listeners about?
0: Well, I I am doing uh, a new Spider-Man book that's uh, just passed its fourth issue, uh, uh, or or is about to pass its fourth issue. That's uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows. Uh, which is a, uh, a storyline that uh, takes place in an alternate reality in which uh, Peter and Mary Jane never broke up, and uh, they now have a kid, and uh, they're a crime-fighting family. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and is this an ongoing series?
0: It's an ongoing series. Nice. Uh, yeah, we have some, some really fun plans uh, sort of tracking this... This other universe in which civil war never happened, uh, and you—you you know what what would be what would Marvel look like today if the '90s had continued? Wow, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's sort of the the premise that uh, Ryan and I and are uh, the editors uh, are uh, pursuing. And do you
1: um, can you give us any hints about what uh, what we can expect down the road from that, that title?
0: Well, we've we've got uh, a terrific two parter with. Uh, uh, coming up in issues uh, uh, six and seven featuring the X-Men. Uh, but it's the X-Men from the 90s, again, sort of brought forward into the into the present. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, uh, we have a special surprise villain in the return of the Venom symbiote. Oh, yeah. uh, all, although it's not infecting Eddie Brock at this point, it's infecting someone else that uh, will be more... Uh, more surprising. Okay. Hope. Yeah. So it's Aunt May, isn't we're, we're, it? We have stuff. A- Aunt May is unfortunately dead.
1: Oh, no. Uh, she, I guess I yeah, should pick she, up this book and read it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you should. I mean, she's, she's not, you know, it's not like she's actively dead. She's been dead for about 10 years. Right. So
1: <laughs> in gotcha.
0: this universe, Peter didn't have to make the deal with Mephisto uh, to save, you know, save Aunt May. Uh, and oh, didn't have to because not reveal his identity exactly, yeah, gotcha. exactly. So uh, Aunt May dies uh, from natural causes. It just happens, you know, right? Because she's uh, really old. Yep. Yep.
1: Okay. Wow, that's great. And you were recently on Carnage too, right?
0: Yes, we completed a run of uh, sixteen issues on Carnage uh, just this past uh, past month. So that was a lot of fun. Too.
1: Do you still? enjoy going back to the spider-man world after all these years
0: oh it's great fun yeah especially especially since i'm i i have this kind of get my have my cake and eat it too in that i'm in the spider-man world but i absolutely don't have to tie into anything else yeah, that's right? going on in marvel
1: that's, <laughs> that's, that's the best of both worlds
0: <laughs> yeah uh, it's sort of like I have my own little niche over here, and, and Dan Slot can continue to do what he's doing and uh, you know keep his fans happy. And yep. I'm off to the side doing something that uh, hopefully keeps my fans happy. So. Amazing. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us.
0: All right. I think well, I'm glad, and I look forward to, to hearing from you.